Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we got a long one for you. It's uh, it's appropriate for this to be a long one since the movie itself was such a damn long one. We're talking about It Chapter 2, of course, based on the novel from Stephen King. And uh, we all loved It Chapter 1, I think. I mean, did anybody not like It Chapter 1? It was just so freaking good. And uh, I think everybody was looking forward to this sequel and to see how they would handle the rest of the story. And uh, we'll get into it in a minute here with our guest, Tim Shermer. Uh, first time on the show, but he's a friend of our many-time guest, Ryan Darty, and he's been wanting to be on the show for a while, and so I'm glad to finally have him on. Uh, but before we get into that conversation, I do want to remind you to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice, and follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, uh, where we continue the conversation about all these movies, and we have a contest still running right now to win a copy of Cinephile, the card game. You can check out that special episode we did earlier in the week uh, to find out more about Cinephile and hear us uh, attempt to play it. <laughs> but uh, one last thing before we get into the conversation, uh, because if I don't tell you now, I don't know when I'm going to tell you, but this weekend, Sunday, September 15th, during the Sin City Horror Fest at the Brendan Palms Theater at the Palms Hotel here in Las Vegas, 5.30 p.m., we are doing our first ever live episode of Piecing It Together. It's going to be an absolute blast. You can find information about the show on all of our social medias. we got links to it all over the place. There's a Facebook event invite with uh, all the information. So go to our social medias, check the link in the show notes. You get all the information on it. If you're in Vegas, I hope to see you there. And if you're not in Vegas, you're missing out, but we'll be posting it as an episode on Monday. So let's get into this conversation about It Chapter 2. All right, so with us for the first time today, we have Tim Shermer. Tim, how's it going? It is going fantastic. Got off early today. Boss is out of town. It is great that sounds that sounds wonderful um i (laughs) i'm having the 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 busiest freaking week we're leading up to this live show we're about to do and then on top of that i decided to start cleaning my studio and it's just it's a mess but uh (laughs) so uh (laughs) you are a friend of friend of the show ryan darty and uh, i've been wanting to get you on for a while now because i know uh 
I know that you had uh, mentioned a while back that you were enjoying the show, and I know you're a you're a big movie fan yourself, and uh, thought it would be fun. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to be on. Uh, known CB or Ryan for quite a while now. Interesting character to say the least. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I enjoyed meeting you in person uh, recently as well. But yeah, a big movie fan. See, saw probably about eighty-five films in theaters last oh, yeah. year. Uh, watched a lot of TV too. Big foreign film fan. A lot of great films coming out of Korea and Japan. I'm also a little bit spoiled because we have an international film festival here that shows all of this oh, when, nice, the, nice. when they come into town. So um, been bu- been busy with that geek stuff outside of uh, outside of that too. So video games and anime, which pull a lot from uh, from a lot of Western cinema too. So it's really cool, kind of seeing over the years. Especially, I'm 28 now. When you're uh, as I started to get older, seeing the influence of some of the stuff that I enjoyed as a kid on mm. like modern day uh, film is is quite fascinating to me. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that that's absolutely you know of course why why I love doing this show is like just you know looking at a movie through that lens of like you know oh look at all these other movies that that came before it. Sometimes it's things that I've seen before and it just reminds me of things, and then sometimes it's just discovering new movies. Uh, we, we just recently did an episode on the Peanut Butter Falcon. I don't know if you uh, saw that movie. I don't think I've heard of that. Oh, before. it's really what good. It? It's in theaters right now. Like you know, it's it's in limited release. It's a, a indie film. Um, Shia LaBeouf is in it, and uh, Dakota Johnston. Um, and it, it it's fantastic. And uh, my my guest for the episode brought up uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, which I missed. I never actually saw that movie. Love that yeah. movie. Yeah, I just went it. and finally so watched good. it last night because of our conversation on the episode. And I can't believe I didn't see that back in 2016. It was so good. Taika is mad genius. Yeah. That movie was so funny, and you you see what he brought, especially with the comedy and the way he directed. His directing comedy isn't quite just jokes, but it, it's facial expressions. It's the whole package, and he manages to balance it really well. And you could see him experimenting in that movie. Yeah, and it has some very wacky scenes as well, like the the scene with the hamburger that came out of nowhere <laughs> in that movie. So it, it's just interesting seeing a filmmaker like that and kind of the the gears turning in his head as yeah, he tries yeah, different sure. things. If you haven't seen that movie, so go go watch it. It's really, really so a great ride. All right, well, let's let's get into uh, talking about it a little bit. Um, before we get into puzzle pieces, I had uh, thrown a uh, a request out into the popcorn and puzzle pieces group, asking if anyone's interested in covering any you know upcoming movies. And you jumped on it, chapter two. Were you uh, like a huge fan of the first one and the possibly the book as well? Oh, I loved the first one. Um, I intentionally wanted to go into this. I want to read the book again. I read it. I've been a big horror fan since I was a kid. I I think mm-hmm. I read it uh, when I was like eight or nine. My my parents are very good at me pestering enough that they <laughs> give me things like this if I wanted to read it at that age. But I kind of wanted to go into the first it not having read that. And I wanted to see the mm. second part. That first movie I loved. I thought it it had the perfect mix of coming of age. It had a lot of a lot of the best uh, child actors kind of working today. I'm not sure if you consider sure. some of them if they're you know, late teens, maybe like child actors right now. But I had some of this actress for that. I thought the CG was really well used in that movie and the use of uh, practical effects compared to just kind of blasting us. There's one mm-hmm. nitpick I had with uh, with It Chapter 2 I'll get into a little bit later, but 
I, I really loved uh, Andy Muschietti, and I'm really excited to see what he did in a weird kind of sum up of things. I thought that between what he showed he can do in It Chapter 1 and some of the things, even though they didn't necessarily um, mesh very well for me in It right, Chapter right. 2, I'm really excited to see him bring those to, to projects like Flash and Lock and Key, which are coming up for him. But needless to say, I loved that first It movie. I saw it probably five or six times in theaters, which... Also, the the use of uh, sound effects in that movie, especially, and the score in that film, kind of mixed together, was was great. Probably my favorite use in a film for for twenty seventeen. Oh wow, yeah, I you know actually now that you mention it, the uh, the sound I got to see uh, it chapter two in Dolby, and the sound is freaking phenomenal. Oh. I mean, some of that stuff, especially once they're they're doing the uh, you know all, all the shit underground and all that. I mean, th- those sounds are freaking crazy, just mm-hmm. like. I would describe them as chunky. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was thick. And, and the first, almost the first thing that comes to mind for that movie too, if you're talking about sound, is the, um, I think it was the, I can't remember if it was the first or the second trailer mm-hmm. that they had, the Yolf Float yeah. 2 one when that was coming out. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. So good. And just how built and built and built. And they didn't manage to spoil a lot of the movie in that right, trailer right. too. So, you know. Big kudos to the team that put it together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, why don't we jump into some puzzle pieces? Uh, what do you got for your first puzzle piece for It Chapter 2? For me, if I wanted to make a comparison to a movie starting out, uh, and that would be Cabin in the Woods. Okay. I think Cabin in the Woods had a very... Um, had a very good mix of of horror and comedy, at least at first, some of the horror aspects of this film, especially with people going into the movie not knowing what to expect exactly. Sure. The trailers were obviously intentionally misleading for the film. I think that um, I'm bringing up Cabin in the Woods because It Chapter 2's felt like two different films to me. It felt like a horror comedy very much with a lot of the scenes that Bill Hader was in. Um, mm mm-hmm. And uh, James, I always, I'm going to butcher his last name, but I think it's James, Ran- is it Ransone? Uh, Eddie's character. Uh, right, right. Yeah, I think Ransone. Ransone, yeah. They it, they felt like they were in a comedy where it was kind of making fun of the idea of like a scary clown. They, I wouldn't say they broke the fourth wall as much as they cracked a lot of jokes that poked fun at the genre. Sure. And on the other hand, you felt like you had Jessica Chastain still dealing with a lot of the... Beverly's character still dealing with a lot of the um, the uh, abuse from her childhood, or her obvious abuse of the husband that she had, kind of going into this, and that was a big one for me, was that I felt like her character and then Bill's character still dealing with um, the loss of his brother, they were in two different films. They're very much in a traditional horror movie you know, dealing with the monster that haunted them when they were younger mm-hmm. and w- the kind of damage that left with them and the uh, then kind of, um, again, Eddie and uh, Richie's characters, which are kind of poking fun at the genre. And the reason I br- bring both of those points up is that Cabin in the Woods did a really good job, uh, to me at least, of mixing elements of the horror genre and mm. kind of... Uh, understanding okay well this is your traditional horror trope going into this but they when they swapped to the uh i'm not sure if you have you seen cabin in the woods 
much. Yes, I, I imagine I have. yes, but yeah. um when it swaps back to a lot of people who are running this this um ritual and they're uh watching what's going on and they're kind of cracking jokes, they're really filling in for what I would say is like Richie's role in it chapter two. They're disconnected from what some of the characters initially within at least the first half of the movie are going through in um Cabin in the Woods. And so sure. for me, they managed to establish a disconnect of having horror elements and comedy mixed into this, especially since, you know, they sold characters die and other things to this. For me, this felt like they'd have moments of tear and moments they could build on and they just track it with humor. And so I, I liked the movie overall, but I think for uh, at least my first was that I felt like they could have done a better job of uh, of mixing mm-hmm. the two genres. Yeah, I, I I agree with that statement completely, and with the puzzle piece itself. And uh, I, I I do feel like th- there is some part of me even thinks that even though of course it's two chapters it's supposed to be two chapters like this really could have gotten the old hollywood split into an extra one to milk it you know kind of thing they really could have done that and gotten away with it and it might have been better if they had uh but that being said i mean i absolutely did enjoy the movie also just like you did Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I've, I've got, as we're going through our puzzle pieces, I'll have a, a couple other gripes along the way, but I mean, generally speaking though, I really did like it, but, uh, but yeah, they're definitely trying to do a lot of different, uh, things with this movie and, and they're, they're trying to successfully get all of these ideas. Every character has so much to unpack and to really get all of that into one movie, even a two hour and 50 minute movie. Uh, it's still still a pretty mm-hmm. pretty challenging thing for anybody to to kind of undertake, you know. Yeah, and, and reasonably, you know, we've seen this happen with other films too. They kind of broken. They've been, I wouldn't say forced, but they've had to do it in in a single film. I think it would have been for me. I think the weakest portion of the film was probably the first third of the movie or so, mm-hmm. when um when uh mike was trying to gather all of them and it uh it didn't quite land for me because you know you rush through stuff with the a lot of the supernatural elements to it um then you rush through uh again some of the characters dealing with like their present situations before leaving and the reason i bring that up is uh, kind of tailing off of your point the reason i think i walked out liking this movie even though it felt uh, totally very awkward was that mm-hmm. they executed the humor really well and they executed the horror elements really well. They just didn't mesh very well. If it was like the, the humor was really bad or cringeworthy, I think I would have had a different opinion walking out of this movie, but they were both well done. They just sure. didn't quite uh, uh, mesh as well as I would have liked. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And you know, w- one more point to that uh, before I moved to my mind first puzzle piece um you said about how like it felt like they rushed through the beginning and i totally agree with that um to the point where i really wish i could watch this movie for the first time having just watched it chapter one because i mean it really took me into the like the second third to really start remembering everybody's personalities and all that kind of stuff and remembering which kid each adult character Mm -hmm. was and uh, the way that they just rush through each one, it really and, felt like, man, I wish I had just watched this in a double feature. Yeah, and I think one last point on that that I found kind of um, 
redundant a little bit. They could have probably cut out maybe 10, 15 minutes off this movie. Was mm-hmm. I thought that some of the flashback sequences, especially the new stuff we hadn't seen, was mostly well utilized for some of the characters. But they had flashbacks to scenes, which is always kind of a pet peeve of mine yeah. in movies. They had, especially for sequels, they had flashbacks to scenes that had already happened in the first It film. Um, I think they probably could have cut because it sometimes took me a little bit out of the movie. Like I was expecting something sure, new and yeah, it just yeah. didn't quite. No, absolutely. I, I could totally see where you're coming from with that. Um, well, hey, I'm going to go into my first puzzle piece. And uh, this one, honestly, I if we were talking about It Chapter 1, I'd have been saying this as well. Uh, and that is... Really, I could go with all of Sam Raimi's films, but I'm going to just go right into (laughs) Evil Dead 2, uh, specifically. I have that on my list, too. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure we're going to have some overlap. It's bound to happen, uh, especially with a movie like this. But but yeah, I mean, this this absolutely is horror comedy, uh, and and done well. Done with funny, scary, gory moments, and lots and lots of great creature design. Uh, moments, moments that are just so Raimi, like just like uh, like Jessica Chastain getting caught in that that bathroom with the blood just filling up the entire room, and mm-hmm. and some of the uh, the 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 Penny, I guess they're incarnations of Pennywise, like that are basically like like basically like deadites. I yep. mean, really, really, in the way that they run at people and they, yeah. you know, unless you're like that little girl underneath the uh, underneath the uh, the bleachers. Most people just kind of get uh, almost beat up, like in the way that Dead yeah. Lights would do, you <laughs> they know? Do. <laughs> they, they, they run at them and stuff. But anyway, yeah, they're just a totally, uh, just a total Evil Dead vibe, and Sam Raimi just kind of in general. Oh, oh God, no, definitely. Um, especially for me, some of the... Uh, in this film in particular, I would say, the the CG they used in this were... I want you to say the CG that... The character designs they use for Pennywise incarnations, that's one thing that really, ta- beyond the, the tone that tagged mm. Raimi for me as well, was some of Pennywise's, um, uh, <laughs> like the Lumberjack, for example, it reminded me of like the wackiness of Raimi, uh, also of some of Peter Jackson's earlier yes. stuff, which was obviously influenced yep. by Sam Raimi as well. And like seeing the Lumberjack or seeing... Uh, uh pennywise when um he was chasing after uh when he was running like up with the um the balloons and then lands and he's talking to bill Hader reminded me of one of the yeah, wise cracking yeah. villains out of like the evil dead tv show <laughs> uh where they're just taunting it and it's like oh no oh no right out of Ta- that show reminds me of any of the taunting the is of, a good um, word I, I like I like the word taunting because like you would think of this giant creature is like gonna just like murder the shit out of you and just eat you but it's actually like making fun of you and like just kind of teasing you mm-hmm. you know and there's 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 almost a human and they, they give he Raimi especially does a good job of giving um like human uh you can almost relate to some of the monsters in Raimi's series mm-hmm. especially when they're like I wouldn't actually even just say wisecracking but the taunting villains you you sense almost a level of insecurity sometimes or arrogance and it helps you connect to them. And it's really weird to say connecting to a monster on a more human level, but it really does with, and and evil dead two is a much better example of, uh, of that, 
that that Raimi influence. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, what do you got for your next puzzle piece? I'm gonna say for me, uh, it came up to uh, I'll go with the Skeleton Twins. Is gonna be my next one. Okay. Um, have Skeleton Twins, a uh, little film from 2014, uh, directed by Craig Johnson, who did uh, Alex Strangelove, which mm-hmm. came out earlier in, last year. Um. I I bring it up because Richie, in both incarnations, but especially Bill Hader's character in this played such a big role. If you were to say, uh, you know, Bill was kind of the the face of the dramatic aspect of mm. and the horror aspects of it, Chapter Two, you'd really say that you know Richie, Bill Hader's character is leading that, and they pull, for me, I was just watching his character, and it reminded me so much of his character in the Skeleton Twins, mm-hmm. especially the way he would. It's just dry, witty way of cracking humor, and and for anyone who hasn't seen Skeleton Twins, a indie film that came out with him, uh, he plays this gay suicidal writer, and he um, and he kind of comes home for something that happens, and his character to me, he wasn't didn't talk quite as quickly as Richie did in this, but. What they pulled from that character, what Bill Hader pulled from that character, I think helped set the tone for It yeah. Chapter 2. And that was kind of, for me, a nice puzzle piece that really pulled it together for me that kind of helped him lead that yeah. portion of the film. That, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen that since back when it first came out. And it was, it was a good movie, too. Um, and y- you're right. Like, this is very much like coming from that same kind of a Bill Hader performance, which... You really, I mean, there's not that many of them where he gets to like really carry something like that. Um, but he he definitely does a good job of it. And this is like, of course, like the very Hollywoodized version. Like you said, he's like quicker in this and and stuff like that, and the way that he talks and things like that. But but yeah, absolutely. I think mm-hmm. I think that's a good uh, a good puzzle piece right there. Yeah, yeah. And his and I think that was a a good point because I wouldn't say it was exact character, but you see what he's pulling from that character because i i know i brought it up a little bit er- earlier with seeing uh, especially actors kind of um flex their muscles in earlier films and then mm. see what they had done with that even if they hadn't done a film that was similar but seeing them bring it to something else and this is really what what landed it for me and another kind of one for me that ties into this is have you seen much of Barry at all? You know, I've only seen like the first three episodes and I love it. And I just haven't gotten a chance to like continue. Cause I never get to watch any TV. Oh, it's but... so funny. <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, the, the second season of Barry wow. is somehow even better than the first one was. Uh, but you, that's, I think where he managed to land that, um, that dry humor for him and kind of the, the, he always had the physicality to mm. his humor, especially when he was doing Saturday night live. But with this, he just managed to to bring a depth to the character, like you see through his facial yeah. expressions. I think he really toned that while he was doing Barry. So, so kind of seeing him develop over the years has been really interesting. But I think this, for me, may have been one of my favorite, if not my favorite, just kind of pure comedic roles for uh, for Bill Hader. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you know, I. I honestly, I, I've never been a huge fan of his, but uh, I, I really like what I've seen of Barry, and I, and I do think he was great in this, absolutely. Um, I'm going to go to my next puzzle piece, uh, and it's just going to kind of continue right along with what I was saying about uh, Sam Raimi films, and I'm going to go with Beetlejuice, 
uh, <laughs> with Tim Burton. And, uh, uh, yeah. you know, I again, like, it's... It, with this one, you know, I mean, I wouldn't call Beetlejuice necessarily a horror comedy, but it is, you know, like, a comedy that's inspired by the world of horror and just all these, like, kind of silly, crazy creatures and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, even like you were saying earlier about the lumberjack character, like all these characters that Pennywise inhabits all feel like that kind of a, just like a silly, inspired by horror kind of a character, kind of a creature, really, specifically. And, uh, and, and that's the kind of thing that, that I think was exactly what was going on in Beetlejuice and with that character and with all the imagery that that Tim Burton is playing with in that movie. Do you, uh, Beetlejuice obviously bit, big big influence on how they had uh how they had brought Pennywise to the screen mm-hmm. just the way he even moves there's a lot of villains and I guess uh, something you could tie into this is um Nightmare on Elm Street a little bit. Sure. In the sense that oftentimes you know you have these stiff terrifying villains that just kind of lumber along at you right right uh for me i would say that uh out of um beetlejuice they really pulled the physicality for pennywise the way he moves there's just a fluidity to to pennywise's movement that you don't normally see in horror villains the way he'll bend his knees and walk there's a creep factor like he'll lunge at you like a like a predator waiting to strike but you don't know when he's going to do what he or i should say when it's going to do what it wants to do yeah absolutely you know we might as well just kind of combine i actually had nightmare on elm street on my list as well so we, we might as well bring that up now uh and i think all three of these uh pennywise freddy and uh and beetlejuice you know they're all these horror characters that are just having so much fun with themselves while while they're being horrific and doing all these gory crazy things you know yeah no i i completely agree with you on that fact and i think for, for you can i ask a question sure do you do you prefer uh when you're talking about four villains do you prefer something like freddy krueger and it where you never know what they're going to do they're not necessarily, they're terrifying, but they're not terrifying in the sense like there's a mystery surrounding them. Mm-hmm. You kind of know the horrible things this monster is capable mm-hmm. of. Or do you prefer more of what I'd say is a traditional horror villain? Kind of ominous, uh, you don't know what they're capable of. Something like um, Jason for example, where they're just there to murder and it's more about them figuring out a way to uh, escape or stay alive against this danger, whereas this, you were watching our characters be like essentially emotionally tortured throughout the film. Right, right. What is more of your preference on, on uh, horror villains like that? It's interesting because, I, I'll be honest, I... Go, I'm not a huge horror fan when it comes down to it, but for, strangely enough, I am, and it's probably because of my love of the Evil Dead movies and those early Peter Jackson movies. I'm I'm more of a fan of just crazy kills and gore and all that stuff, and and I don't like like torture <laughs> porn gore like that stuff. I think it's just bo- boring as hell. Um, yeah. But like you know these cr- so crazy no hills kills. have eyes then. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not so much. I mean, you know, some of those are all right, like you know, but. Some of that kind of stuff, but yeah, I definitely I like something like 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 a Freddy or whoever that's just 
gleefully killing people in inventive, crazy ways. You know, I would argue if you're talking about, I wouldn't just say gleefully, but really kind of crazy, inventive ways. For me, John Carpenter is king when it comes to that. Oh hell yeah! Uh, whenever I can pitch this movie, I know everyone's seen it, but the thing is still probably my favorite horror film of all time. Oh, like yeah. top five films ever for me. And that, if you want to talk about crazy kills in that, uh, inventive ways, very influential film, but inventive ways to psychologically kind of torture characters uh, throughout the film. It was just a really, beyond being a well-made film, it was far ahead of its time with what it thought the genre could do. Right, And that's something right. I appreciate with Carpenter's always pushing the, the boundaries there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is, uh, you know what, that, that's a good question in a setup. It, it, would you consider The Thing a good puzzle piece for this movie? Because I actually had it on my list. And, I did too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, think, I think so. I mean, as long as you're talking about it. I mean, especially the spider head creature, which is, a, I think, oh, directly a, a, an homage to, to The Thing. But uh, I haven't seen it since, since high school. So it's been so long since I've seen The Thing. Maybe you've got, uh, since you, you love that movie so much. I have a couple of things to bring up with The Thing. Go for I it. I think that a good place to start is why The Thing was ahead of its time. And then we can branch out from there. And the reason I bring that up. Sure. And the reason I bring that up is that. You know, people could the practical effects, for example, the the head on the ground, uh, the way they use the use of tendrils in this and blood is a big thing. Sure. Uh, I think that was really for me at least, and my understanding of horror films, having kind of watched back through some of the older catalogs, this was one of the first films that made really, really good use of mm -hmm. blood effects. And if you're talking about kills and talking about it and how blood moves fluidly in it that was something they had i would say directly pulled from the thing where blood plays a big role due to them trying to you know discover who is the thing uh the paranoia that builds around that and the role that that you know every piece of our body can play for this and i think that was a good thing is you can have you know x monster x antagonist walk up and stab somebody in the back right in the shoulder and it can be bloody and gruesome and you're just uh -huh. you know cringing as you stare at what's happening to this individual but there's a difference between that and just just being cringy right yeah. and the idea of what the human body can do and what can be done to you which in the thing you see the thing when it's in its human forms contorting its body it's insane in unnatural ways that makes your skin crawl thinking that oh the body could break like that um and be it special effects you know practical or cgi doesn't really necessarily matter it's something that it pulled really heavily on on here is you see some of the monsters in the way that it moves unnaturally where there's just enough of that humanity for you to feel and understand the physical form you're seeing in front of you, but the way it contorts, the way it moves, especially think about yeah, yeah. Um, when they open the uh, open the refrigerator and um, Stanley kind of crawls out of the refrigerator. Uh, with the body, it's that kind of thing that I think it did. It 
did really, really well with both of the films was these creatures that weren't just this fantastical thing, but made you understand that your body could break like that. And that is just from a special effects perspective, heavily pulled from the Yeah, thing. absolutely. Another example of that, I think, is like, uh, there, there's scenes where, where like Pennywise is like running at somebody and like, just like shaking his face or like, mm-hmm. it, like just so just totally unnaturally fast motions. And then also when he's slamming his head on the glass in the, uh, in the mirror hall. Oh God, that was such a beautifully shot scene. Oh yeah. So cool. And it's like, and yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, can that, can, if somebody was that like supernaturally, like you know, just, I, I don't even know what the right word is, but can, 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 yeah, can, can their, their body do that? Like, that's freaking insane. Like, it's just, yeah, it's, it's wild. It, it, it is wild. I think the thing also did a really, uh, and this is something it, especially I'd say it chapter one pulled more heavy, heavily from, because I, I think it chapter two is very much a movie about the characters, mm-hmm. what they're going through and how they developed um whereas i feel it chapter one was almost more about the atmosphere and the yeah, yeah. creepiness of the town that they live in and what dairy represents and this is why i think for me the biggest influence the thing may have had on it and it was the sense of paranoia mm. and they did it in it for or not it sorry the thing uh was the sense of paranoia it brought in and the reason i bring this up is that in the thing, you do have a lot of character deaths, but it's not this rapid, like, you know, eight people killed and then the monster's just there and they somehow do something right at the last second. It's this slow burn where you do see characters getting killed, but you see them getting killed in front of other characters as the thing develops and it builds mm. this tension, this eeriness in the thing when characters are interacting and when you're from kind of from mm. different perspectives with different characters interacting with one another. And to me, that's what had a really heavy influence on it. Chapter one, which then it chapter two didn't necessarily need to per se build on as much as sure. just have that as the background to what's going on. For example, uh, the creepy uh, pharmacist who appeared in both movies, <laughs> The way, especially in it chapter one, the way adults appeared and kind of their view of these adults when they're adults and understanding from a perspective, okay, this is how adults process thing, yeah. things and this is how adults interact with children especially. And that very much came from the thing. And you can say the thing, you know, influenced a million other movies like that. But I think that was the biggest perspective from, for me at least, that they had pulled upon. Interesting. Yeah. No, that, that's great. You know, and you know, another thing about uh, the atmosphere uh, is something that I just found really interesting about just this series in general, not necessarily specifically uh, it chapter two, but when in it chapter two, when we're first seeing like a you know a a, a fly in to Derry and we're seeing the town, I felt like I had been there before. Like I remembered it so clearly from the first movie. Um, and I, I just think that's really impressive, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that just speaks to just how well atmosphere was handled. I think in the first movie that I recognized everything about that town, it just seemed so much like, 
like something like maybe, and I'd only seen the movie once, it, it Chapter One, and like it seemed like a place that I had like either been to or watched the movie dozens of times because I recognized it so well. Yeah, and I think what worked really effectively with that uh, was when the characters were in some of the locations that had um, that they had been in the previous films or had been around in the previous films. Mm-hmm. It left this tinge, at least for me, in the back of my head, of something feels wrong here. Mm-hmm. Um, the great example of that was when Bev was in her old house, and there's just enough off. Besides, you know, setting aside it being the grandmother, yeah. there was just enough off in the apartment for you to wonder, you know what is going on here great example i was thinking this when when she was in um when she was in like pulling the the board out to try and get the letter that she had hidden away Mm -hmm. and it felt very similar to her old room and the bathroom and everything but something for me felt off and i really want to go back and watch uh it to see everyone's so focused on a lot of the people in it chapter i was and i know some of the some of the other people in the theater were focused on the people in that chapter two and trying to figure out oh is it standing in the background i want to see if there were any clues hidden in the actual designs and the layouts of the um of the areas they were in that could give you clues to something being off and i i I feel like there may be i wouldn't i I wouldn't run it past them to put that in there yeah absolutely i wouldn't doubt that at all um, well, you know what? I'm going to go, uh, with, with another puzzle piece here. This one's very out of left field, but, uh, I think it, it kind of, uh, it, it kind of continues on that theme of just that, that feeling of something being off. Um, and, and, and like I said, this one's very out of left field. I, I'm sure if, if there was other, uh, movie podcasts that deal with inspirations, this movie probably would not have come up in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. But I, to me, it just kind of, it made me think of it. And uh, and that is the movie Vox Lux. Have you ever seen Vox Lux? I don't think I've seen Vox Lux. I think I've maybe heard of it before. It, it's from but... last year, so it's. I mean, it's pretty uh, okay. small chance that it actually was a specific influence. But the thing with Vox Lux, and without spoiling it for anybody who hasn't seen it, uh, it opens with a scene uh, that is just so incredibly off-putting and just just horrific that it, it, it kind of, it puts this sense of dread over what, what happens for, I mean, you, you're just, you can't stop thinking about it for like it, the rest of the movie, really. And it's just like this feeling that's kind of goes over the sense, uh, over the, uh, the remainder of the film. Adrian Mellon's murder at the beginning? Yeah, and so, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like uh, in It Chapter 2, we open with this just horrific murder that just seems so, it doesn't have any of the, like the humor of the series, it's just like this just violent, hateful murder, you know, and uh and then Pennywise just jumps in and just I... joins the murder and just you know it's just a crazy, dark way to to start the movie it is, and I think I think for me, I actually have this on notes on here, and it, it's not so much a puzzle piece in reference to let's say like another film right, but I uh, coming as a queer man, I don't have any issue. There's middle nowhere. There's violence against queer people. That's actually not my point for this. Uh-huh. It 
the the violent opening i really enjoyed and i when you know it had killed him and then um when uh mike comes down he sees the writing and the balloons and everything for me i thought that was a perfect mm-hmm. way to kick the movie off but i felt that the the aspect of them being attacked for a queer character was a mm-hmm. little deft-handed in this day and age um it's not that they were and not trying to put it here, but it, it was something that kind of struck me while I was watching it. I feel like they they had too much of a not even sort of a deft hand, but they had too much of a strong touch on this a little bit. Mm. I think that they, if they were going to build on that, that portion of it kind of took me a little bit out of it. Where I'm like, it didn't like the didn't feel quite right to me. Like the way they executed, if they built a little yeah. more to it. Or they had just gone into the murder itself, like they had just been attacked. I feel like that would have landed a little bit better for me. Right. I feel like, like I feel in the eighties, this made sense for you know the AIDS crisis and other stuff going on. But uh, that whole portion that they had built to at the beginning of the movie, I, I think for me, it just maybe it's just because it was a queer man. I don't have an issue with that happening like at all. Sure. Um, but I feel like. Like they kind of tried to just squeeze that in to like have that as like a, um, like a political like crux at the beginning of the movie just to force it right. in there a little bit. So I felt like that. I felt like everything after he had been thrown in the water with it and him coming down and seeing the clown murder it in just the most gruesome, yeah, yeah. violent way possible. Um, I feel like that was an amazing way to start the movie. That first part of it, I thought was a good idea to have in there, but I don't think they executed really well on it. And that's actually something I had a note on here. I was trying to come up with a film, and I know you're probably not used to people having puzzle pieces that aren't quite puzzle pieces. Oh, that's for fine. This, no, all different kinds. I, I wanted to ask, have you ever had something, it doesn't even be queer-related, but a movie where you've been watching and been like, okay, it was a good idea to have that in there conceptually that made sense, but it didn't quite land for you for, sure. for them trying to put something sure. like that in there? I mean, I'm trying to off the top of my head think of an example, but yeah, no, absolutely. Like the the idea of 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 a movie where there's a certain aspect of it, or like a certain like characters, like like did they have more to say there that they maybe cut out or something? Yeah, you and, know? and they don't necessarily need to say anything. I have no issue. People it happens all the time for you know race, creed, sexual orientation in movies, and that's that's certainly fine. It just happens because it happens, and people are awful. Yeah, but. For me, I, again, yeah, I felt like they're trying to say something or, hey, you know, this is still going on or trying to tell you, oh, this is in the middle of nowhere. Derry's violent. But I felt like they kind of just tossed it in there and it felt a little rushed to me, which is, again, I guess. Have you seen the discourse online about this whole moment about how, like, like why isn't Pennywise an ally? Like, No, I actually <laughs> wanted so to, I wanted. No, it would be so funny if it. <laughs> They, he, Pennywise didn't need to kill them. I had no issue with the, the guy being thrown in and killed. It just felt like it didn't quite have the, the, the touch it yeah. needed to, which is kind of a nitpick there. But that kind of is a theme ongoing for this movie for me where there were just certain things that they were going for where I... It's really weird. There's one thing to not like something conceptually mm-hmm. when you're watching the movie and for them also not to land it, but to like various things in a film conceptually but they don't mm-hmm. quite land that. yeah no I, absolutely i think like two things about that one is i think possibly it's explored more in the book like and they just 
they used it anyway, but it's not, they don't go all the way in. And then if not that, uh, then maybe they were trying to kind of uh, bookend, uh, you know, with Richie's reveal. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, and I and I that's why I also got the feeling for too is they're kind of tying those two together, which I guess tagging on to that if I can, um, yeah. it felt in the same exact way, and it's that rush feeling that you kind of brought up a little bit earlier that maybe they could have done two shorter movies out of this. Mm-hmm. Like the first, like the first it. How long was the first it film? It it was over two hours. It wasn't this long, but it was yeah. like two thirty maybe yeah. two twenty. Wasn't this movie like two fifty? I think it was. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was the running length for it. Yeah, I feel like the same thing can be said about uh, Mike and the whole supernatural aspect of the film, with it feeling very. Well, did you feel very rushed when he was kind of trying to explain? Oh yeah, a lot of this it, you to... know, and that that's the thing. Like, there, there there's just so much in here, and yeah, they. I mean, they rushed through the character introductions. They rushed through the explaining any of Pennywise's. Uh, you know all that mystical stuff. You know, and then this. I mean, I if I don't even think I really necessarily knew that he was an alien creature. Like you know, until I read about it afterwards. Uh, and they had the they had the whole flashback sequences of Native Americans, where it was just kind of like you're traveling, but it wasn't that. That was the one. If I had one thing, I would massively change about this movie. Like one scene, I think they could have done better. That would be my my nitpick for it. Was the it wasn't even particularly well shot to me. Like some of the stuff where they had gone mm-hmm. in and you saw Pennywise like as its maybe natural form, just kind of attacking everything that, that small segment of it worked for me, but the rest of it, I'm going to sound terrible here, but just like, it just <laughs> looked like blurry Mike. Yeah, and that was that, all that was, it was uh, for like five minutes. Yeah, that, that, that whole this. segment was just uh, weird. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we go into your next one? What do you got? Okay. I got a person for you. Specifically three movies this person has done. And that's Drew Goddard, mm. who I adore. Oh, yeah. I love Cloverfield Lane, Martian, World War Z, great films. I'm going to particularly mention uh, Cloverfield, Cabin in the Woods, and World War Z. All right. The reason I bring these three films up is that uh, from an atmosphere, from a perspective of how they waited, uh, for example, when the characters would turn corners and there's that thing where it'll just go silent mm-hmm. and you're also waiting for something to happen. It reminds me, and I know he's he write, he's written most of these films, but yeah. I, I've also heard Goddard's been on set for a lot of the, the production for these films. But the way that they had shot a lot of his movies, especially stuff like Cloverfield where they're hiding a lot and... You're kind of waiting for a monster to come out. You don't know if something's going to pop out of a corner. For some reason, when I was watching it, the cinematography for these movies really just popped into my mind. I could see the scenes in Cloverfield playing out. I could see the scenes, especially like World War Z, some of the scenes where stuff just runs at them out of the blue. That that was simply one of the big ones for me, was the way they had kind of shot some of those, as I'd like to call them, like, or waiting moments was no sound going on. Sure. That was very reminiscent of how some of Goddard's films are shot. I hear you. Yeah. Um, and I, I love bringing up Cloverfield on every, any episode that we can do with this show. And I'm sure Ryan Darty will be happy to hear us talk about Cloverfield. <laughs> um, <laughs> Great movie. Yeah. But yeah, no, absolutely. That, that whole, I mean, I guess it's also, it's, it's a, uh, a, um, 
a suspense thing, you know? It's like, it's just, mm-hmm. it, he really does know how to do that. And I mean, I, I, I think of his films, uh, World War Z is probably my least favorite, but, you know, absolutely, we were talking about Cabin in the Woods earlier, and I love Cloverfield, and, uh, you know, he definitely knows how to, uh, you know, how to write something like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I almost wonder, I, I'd really like to see um, Annie Machete's uh, next couple of films, which I'm, if we're going to talk about that a little bit later on, I can wait. But specifically, some of Goddard's influence on on how his films were shot, right, um, right. and what he had shown in Chapter Two, have left me very, very excited for some of the stuff he'll be uh, he'll be directing in the future. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll talk about that on the closing thoughts. But um, I'm going to jump into another puzzle piece. Uh, I have got uh, I've got two more here. Uh, first one is not a movie. Uh, so I'm going to do this one first. Uh, it is video game fetch quests. What? Um, <laughs> I don't think the, the entire... I, I'm a nerd. I don't think I've heard of that. What is it exactly? Well, well, like the the idea of fetch quests, like in most like role playing games or like a Zelda game or something, where you just have to go collect a bunch of random crap. Um, and, and I feel like the middle <laughs> section of this movie is just these characters just being sent out to collect random things. Uh, which of course they, they all have their, their, you know, their reasoning and their, you know, they, they all have, uh, emotional connections to each of the little items that they have to go grab. But I mean, it's it essentially just fetch quests. It, it, it's them having to go grab these things. <laughs> this, this is literally fetch quests, the movie. It's like, go find your, each, it, it wasn't just fetch quests, the movie. This is each character's fetch quests, the movie. It completely is. It absolutely is. And, uh. You know, I mean, I, I'm not saying it in a bad way. I mean, it certainly, it, it, it sets the plot in motion and, and, you know, gives these characters reasons to return to these, you know, you know weird versions of, of their home and, you know, which sets up some pretty interesting things along the way. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it absolutely reminded me of that, that whole, that game mechanic, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I also found it kind of funny that, um, that, I always love the uh, the it it literally addressed the horror trope of fetch quest mechanics in horror movies. Uh-huh. Where they're like, "Let's split up." No, <laughs> no, we're not splitting up. Terrible. No, you each need like they built like there's a mechanic built into this to prevent them from being. Uh, don't do other people to go get the items they need. Which, That's smart. Was That's smart writing. Absolutely right great. <laughs> Yep. So what do you got next yep. for another puzzle piece? Okay. So if I can bring into bring Nick Cage into Ooh. any movie discussion I ever have, I will bring Nick Cage into a movie discussion. I'm excited already. Okay. <laughs> so ha- uh my one of my favorite Nick Cage movies came out last year. It's called Mandy. Uh-huh. Um Mandy is amazing uh revenge thriller. But they lean into Nick Cage's craziness mm-hmm. hard. Uh, and they own it, which is something I really liked in this. Because when they had, like, for example, Manny, there's a scene where he kills some person who's jacked up on drugs. And he literally turns to the camera and does cocaine off yep, of, a, like, yep. was a shard of glass or something. <laughs> um Best shot of that movie. I was dying. Oh, I laughed so like good. five minutes in the theater after that happened. And that was very much what this was with uh, certain aspects. Like when um, 
when Pennywise would do things and Richie would point it out was very much uh, them leaning into just allowing the actors to just point out stuff that's going on. They may have done it more inadvertently in Mandy, but I was sitting there thinking about Mandy while I was watching this movie because Mandy leans in and just points out the absurdity of everything going on. They're more direct in this, but this is probably the most um, prevalent example in my mind of a film doing this recently. Sure. And so I was just sitting there, I'm like, oh, the, cra- the craziness of it and them just accepting that this is happening to them was, uh, was very reminiscent of that. Nick Cage is a gem and I, absolute I, perfection. I love him. I love him and I, I love Mandy. And yeah, I mean, that, that actually just like the point that you're making there, it totally like ties back even to what we were talking about earlier with, uh, with like Freddie and, and, uh, you, you know, and all those like just very over the top, like just having fun monsters. <laughs> I mean, they're just having mm-hmm. so much fun. Having fun monsters. <laughs> Even having the the heroes poke fun at it and just have fun with, like, the horrible nightmarish things that are happening to them. (laughs) Which, in a way, Mandy, too, has a nightmarish atmosphere and a character that, at certain points, pokes fun at the nightmare that he's in. And I think that's, again, reminiscent of uh, what some of the characters are going through. Yeah, and the movie itself knows, you know? Like, it it knows how ridiculously insane all this is, you know? And it's... Yeah, it's just having fun with it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've got one last puzzle piece here, and um, that is the series American Horror Story. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is, uh, you know, th- there's a thing in this movie, and I, I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't call it a bad thing. I wouldn't call it necessarily a good thing either. But there's this thing in this movie, and we were actually kind of touching on it a little bit earlier. Um, but th- there's this feeling of like anything that's happening at any given time, it-, it could be real. It could not be real. The characters that are the main part of the story. I mean, uh, an example, uh, the little girl getting killed underneath the, the, uh, the bleachers. Um, mm-hmm. the other characters are completely not a part of this whatsoever. Is this happening or is it just something just a cool death scene to show the audience. Um, you know, there's just like lots of moments in the movie where, and that's a, that's an example within the world of the film, but then within just what you're seeing, uh, for example, in the, the hall of mirrors, when, uh, when Pennywise, you know, kills the little kid that Richie was trying to save is, is that happening or is he just fucking with Richie? Um, did, did he actually kill the kid? So there's so much that you really have no clue whether or not it's happening for the audience yep. or for the characters or for anybody for that matter. And I feel like that's something that when you're watching American Horror Story, um, there's kind of no telling it, from scene to scene, from episode to episode. You know, I'm not going to say from season to season because that's not fair because obviously it being an anthology, but certainly from scene to scene, though, uh, anything could possibly be happening either for the story, for the yeah. characters, or just simply for the audience watching it. I think that is a really great example of AHS. I would say there, there's kind of three seasons you could really pull on this. Mm-hmm. From the perspective of anything can happen, um, especially some of the more violent stuff that can happen in ways that you're not expecting, mm-hmm. kind of your more traditional, like, or portion of this, I would really tap on um, HS Hotel, which I think was like season five. 
to me, Hotel really enveloped what it chapter two um uh was really trying to do, which was the fact that he knew it Pennywise was so arrogant in understanding, you know, in feeling like it's a this force that cannot be stopped, this immovable object that will do as it wishes. Mm-hmm. And he's almost like the hotel in age in uh, American Horror Story Hotel, where this hotel is just this haunted horrible entity and everyone else is you know captured up in the whirlwind around this hotel sure uh obviously and i do i would not be surprised if the first story uh first season especially of american horror story really influenced something like this or something like um it follows is another great example mm. where you've got this atmosphere of again tying into what we talked about earlier what is real like what are the characters um motivations and even if the care even if characters have and this is a good point that it really uh taps on is there are people that just have evil inside of them and you just have to give them a little bit of a nudge to push them Mm. forward on what they're doing and i think that that both it movies really 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 uh did that well and i think ahs also did that the first season when you there were characters there who weren't necessarily malevolent evil forces but could do evil when they were pushed enough mm, yeah. and um then for me i think some of the wacky visuals for for some reason that third story the one about the the magic users the the witches and stuff really kind of reminded me of um uh, of it a little bit when i was thinking about just the wackiness of what it chapter two especially did with some of the visuals sure. and some of the characters being way over the top i guess if you're going to say those could be some really good influences for uh for it chapter two sure absolutely well uh do you have uh any other puzzle pieces i had one a very brief one because we kind of tapped on this already um it was actually at the beginning of my list i totally blanked on it which is a uh, scream mm. To me, if there's a horror film next to Nightmare on Elm Street that really uh, exemplifies what It Chapter 2 is and what influenced it, I would say that would be Scream because you've got the the wacky villain, especially It Chapter 2, where It Chapter 1, the, it was, the villain just haunted them and was out to kill them is what I got more of a feeling for, whereas yeah. It Chapter 2 was about taunting them and really digging into the pain they have and making them hurt totally and i think scream scream really i know some of them get a little bit corny but scream really felt like that to me where taunting the character a little bit of this weird humor aspect to it thinking you had defeated a character then realizing that you hadn't and so i'd say scream was probably a, a a pretty big influence on this movie no absolutely i think uh i think that this movie should have had a uh dedicated to west craven at the end uh, <laughs> between nightmare on elm street and, yep. uh, and 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 scream i mean seriously huge influence oh absolutely and, yeah. and, it's, and i'm sure we could say that probably about almost every horror movie that's come out in the last 20 years is oh west craven or John oh, Carpenter. that's probably fair yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to do the finished puzzle here, and then we'll get into any of our closing thoughts on It Chapter 2. Uh, so we have Cabin in the Woods. We've got Evil Dead 2 and basically all Sam Raimi movies. Uh, the Skeleton Twins, Barry, mm-hmm. uh, Beetlejuice, Nightmare on Elm Street series, The Thing, and John Carpenter films as well. Uh, Drew Goddard written films like Cloverfield, World War Z, and Cabin in the Woods. Video game fetch quests. 
uh, Mandy, American Horror Story, mentioned it, follows in there as well, and uh, Scream. So that is our finished puzzle, a, a ton of great horror movies and a few uh, a few little side side uh, side notes there along the way as well. Things weird things like Fox uh, Lux and um, uh, well, I guess Mandy's kind of a horror movie. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I'd say Mandy's <laughs> Mandy's Mandy, especially the first portion of Mandy and then the very end of it. Yeah, for sure. But go go. Go see Mandy if you want to see a crazy chainsaw wielding. Yes, absolutely. Just go that. see Mandy. Please do. Um, yes. <laughs> so do you have any uh, closing thoughts about <laughs> it, Chapter 2? I do. Um, uh, Andy Machete is probably working on uh, two or three of my most anticipated pro- projects. I, I'd probably say two. Um, he's got three that are upcoming, which is Flash, mm-hmm. Lock and Key, and Attack on Titan. Mm. Um flash i'm not a i'm not a huge dcu fan though oh my god joker's probably my most anticipated film right. of the year that's still yet to come out um even though it's not dcu uh setting those aside do you know much about attack on titan or lock and key is attack on titan a, an anime attack on titan is an anime oh, okay um it's about essentially these people who use these almost steampunky devices that shoot out ropes and these giant monsters that eat people and they're they're stoned off in this giant city and the titans wander around i feel like attack on titan probably is could be one a huge disaster if they're not careful but the reason i bring up these two projects specifically is that um attack on titan you know monsters it's about kids who are kind of going into the military and the whores that come with attack on titan the the monstrous just evil things that these titans are and how terrifying they are mm. i think it'll do a great job of directing of a design working with good designers for um how these monsters are going to turn out and directing kids is going to be really important for both these projects mm. attack on titan understanding the fears that are within you as a child and when you're younger especially like your teenage years uh how they deal with pain and grief and I, even though I felt like It Chapter 2 kind of was two different movies, I felt like he did both of those movies very well. Sure. And I, I say him specifically because I do lay a lot of filmmaking, especially with someone like um, like him, like Andy. I feel like uh, they gave him enough leeway to kind of experiment in this movie. Mm. And he did both very well. And I think that'll work really well for Attack on Titan. And then Lock and Key is family goes to an old family home that they have and it's about uh unraveling the mystery and i feel like that is a lot more similar to goonies and some of the more comedic elements of the first uh first it film and coming of age and kind of understanding your family and having this you know strange view of how adults operate and so i'm very very excited i i liked it chapter two i didn't love it because again not everything really worked well for me, but I thought that that worked well together. But I thought separately, um, uh, some what he managed to do was executed sure, very well. Sure, yeah, no, it, it w- the way you're describing that, it sounds like he's going to be a great fit for it. Um, and you know whether or not Flash really does happen, I mean, I guess it remains to be seen. But uh, hopefully, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I know I I. I 
flashed over flash. <laughs> that was really bad. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm. I don't know, I've DC moves for me. I'm like, okay, I, I'm very glad people are excited for them, and I hope he does do well, do a good job on this. I don't want bad superhero movies, but um, we'll we'll see how it goes. So apparently, uh, Andy Muschietti and uh, Bill Skarsgård would love to do another It movie uh, with an original script. What, what do you think? Terrible idea or a good idea? Mm, I think that's actually uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say terrible. I wouldn't like to see them do a uh, It movie. I'd really, really like them to see, do not necessarily an It TV show, but an It miniseries. Mm. Go to somewhere like Showtime or Stars or HBO and do an It Chapter 2 miniseries because I feel like they had great ideas in here. And if they were given the time to experiment over, a, I don't know, an eight-hour miniseries... I think that would be really cool and go out of dairy or if you're going to do dairy, do 300 or 200 years in the past in dairy when it was first there. Mm, yeah. Well, obviously you'd have to do it now that I'm thinking about it because if Skarsgård wants to come back, you'd probably end up doing, um, uh, have to do in dairy. But if you did in dairy, I think that would be really, really interesting, but do it in the past. Don't do it presently. Do it. 200 years ago mm-hmm. when it first arrived i feel like there's been kind of a resurgence with movies like the witch in uh um, sure in horror period pieces and the idea of the two of them doing a horror period piece oh that would be amazing could be pretty damn good i'm uh i don't know i i I certainly like uh, Skarsgård in the role. I mean, he, he's so much fun. And so, I mean, I, I think people would like it if, if it happened. But uh, I, guess, I guess we'll see. So uh, I think that about does it. Uh, as I always do, I ask my guests to recommend another movie they've watched recently. So Nong Hoon Jin, I think I'm pronouncing that correct. I might be butchering it. Uh, directed maybe one of my favorite films of the decade in 20, end of 2016. It's called The Wailing. Hmm. Uh, horror film uh, that takes the best of what stuff like um, John Carpenter's The Thing has to offer. If you like The Thing, this is a spiritual successor to it. It's about a small town where a people are starting to go mad and murder their families. They'll create like weird altars to some entity. And it's about a father and a family trying to figure out what's going on exactly this is not a film where they've got you know cheesy chase scenes or they're cracking a lot of humor this is really really dark really intense i think almost three hours that you'll be sitting through this film is almost perfectly directed uh for a horror film (laughs) it's a horror film where you think you know what's going to happen and i guarantee you you don't they do the, it is so delicately made that um that even the most little threads that you think you're following are not going to go where you think it's going to go i cannot recommend this movie enough the acting the directing the producing the art design it, it's just amazing sounds uh sounds great sounds sounds horrifying um... oh it's terrifying <laughs> absolutely terrifying film nice awesome well tim this is great uh do you have anything you want to plug Anything I want to plug, um, right now, I, I think some, 
something for a lot of people who may have skipped on on Call Me by Your Name. Timothy Chalamet is a gem of an actor. He is amazing. There are two films coming out later this year uh, that both look really, really good. Uh, Little Women. Um, I'd love to see more kind of classic novels getting adapted to film, especially by female authors. Um, yeah. Uh, that comes out a little bit later this year. We kind of had a, a a bunch of these films come out in like the 90s, but it's been a long time since they've adapted them. And then The King comes out. So those are two movies I'd highly recommend seeing because Timothy Chalamet is an amazing actor. Hell yeah. Right on. Well, uh, hey, thanks so much for being here, Tim. And uh, hopefully we'll get you back again sometime. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast to talk. <laughs> This is Todd from iHeartGeek. We believe that anything you're passionate about is geek. And if you are a geek, you are family here. We record once a week and would love to have you join in our conversations. You can get hold of us at www.iheartgeekshow.com. Use the .com we paid extra for. It. You can get us at Twitter at iHeartGeekShow. And you can always search us on our Facebook page as well. And... Keep on geeking on. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation about It Chapter 2. If you thought of any puzzle pieces that we didn't think of, join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, and uh, let's get some more conversations going. We would love to have you there. Or just uh, tweet at us at PiecingPod. And we'd also love to hear your thoughts there as well. And, of course, another way you can let us know what you think is rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, which would be so cool if you did that. We're getting closer and closer to the 50 ratings mark, which, as far as I'm concerned, probably means absolutely nothing. But people say it's important, so you should do it. Uh, You know, another thing I want to mention, um, aside from the fact that you should check out the show notes, again, for links to find out about our live show coming up on Sunday, September 15th, in like two days from now, if you're listening to this right when it goes up. Uh, Aside from that, um, another thing that's coming up that's something new and interesting and exciting is our Patreon is going to get started really soon here. Um, You could already get my albums of music in there if you sign up for the Patreon, but we are going to have bonus episodes of the podcast as well soon, just like Every other big podcast out there, we want to we want to do that for you guys. And you know, I know there's people out there listening who enjoy the show, and so I want to just make a whole lot more show for you guys. But you know, the main episodes are still going to be the whole puzzle piece thing. There's going to be bonus episodes, all different kinds of themes, and uh, just you know, different kinds of movie conversations. Just more content for you guys. And so check out Patreon.com/PiecingPod, where our page is already set up. There's not bonus episodes yet but definitely there's stuff to get already and uh you could check it out and you know see what you're going to be going to to sign up for eventually when you start want to start getting those bonus episodes when we start putting them up in october so let's finish this thing up with a piece of music like we always do uh pennywise the clown is a scary clown and i was just digging around my library of music random tracks that i've made that are not released on any albums but are available in my library of music for licensing and i forgot all about this track but it's called evil circus 
And I don't think there's a single track within my entire library of hundreds and hundreds of pieces of music that would be more appropriate for this episode. So let's listen to Evil Circus. I don't even remember what it sounds like, to be honest, but just from the title alone, let's listen to it. And uh, we'll be back with the live episode on Monday.